what's interesting about the rejection types is the dynamic can't get started with a wound because to admit that the wound is there would be to admit that this part of you still exists. And the rejection type can't do that. You know, part of the way you reject something is by affirming its opposite. You can sort of think of the object relations as almost like a blueprint for how relationships need to be set up in adulthood in order for our personality and self-concept to be reaffirmed. The Big Hormone Enneagram. I'm John Lukovich, uh, sexual self-pres, 45-link, 458 trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self-pres, sexual, 9 with 1, 9, 7, 4, trifix. What up, it's Emika, I'm an 8 with 7, sexual self-pres, with 8, 5, 4, fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy, I am a self-pres, social, 3, wing 4, with a... Six, nine, trifix. If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Big Hormone Enneagram. Courtney's with us today to talk about rejection. She's here to share with us her insights and to work her usual magic. This is the Courtney Rejection episode. We went for a while, so we're going to split it up into two. But uh, first, let's go over our plugs. Buy John's book, The Instinctual Drives in the Enneagram. If you've been listening to this podcast and you have not bought his book, shame on you. The instincts are a very pivotal aspect of the Enneagram and understanding your type. And integrating your blind spot is the path of self-growth within the Enneagram. So no other book explores the instincts in as much detail and nuance as John does. And so pick up your copy at Amazon, Bars and Noble, and leave a review as well. Secondly, David has a Trifix booklet available at Enneagrammer.com. We talk about Trifix a lot on here, and although it's an advanced topic, it's something that can provide a lot of nuance, and there's not a lot of uh, useful content around Trifix. And David's book is a visual, archetypal, impressionistic, exploration of the different trifixes and and you can check it out at the enneagrammer.com store daa dark arts academy we have recently typed courtney love kirk Cobain, and we've also been doing videos exploring more topical um subjects recently we've did uh videos exploring type nine wings type six wings. We've been talking about certain questions and FAQs that come up around typing recently that you'll see more of. Once again, with DAA, we're exploring typing as an experiential reality of these types, that these types are real and they are um, observable in real time. And so we're learning how to see and hear with the instruments of the Enneagram. These concepts that we're learning, uh, we're learning how they can be applied in real time and we can know what a six is or what a head type is or what a rejection type is or what an attachment type is and how that shows up in real time. And so we are developing language around typing so that typing doesn't be, just remain such uh, an esoteric, mysterious thing that only a couple people know how to, to, to do, but a lot more people have language and distinctions that are very clear and usable that they can um, 
make distinctions as to what a type is and what it isn't. And also, if you're somebody who's looking for clarity in your own self-typing, I mean, you can do this on your own, but typing is a very pivotal point in everyone's Enneagram journey. Whether you try to figure it out on your own, which plenty of people have, because the more, uh, the more you have access to accurate information, the more you can probably land on your core type. But you can save yourself a lot of time by having experts like us who have a lot of experience who can give you a perspective, um, an objective perspective, unbiased perspective as to what your type might be. So you can find out more about our typing surfaces at enneagrammer.com forward slash get typed. All right, this is the Courtney rejection episode where we reject Courtney nonstop for one hour and a half. I am so welcome, Courtney. I was thinking of naming this episode sort of something like Emma reckons with rejection. Who? I'm already reckoning. No, but I feel like you are right. But you've got some new bombs to drop on Amica. It's got to be the Courtney rejection episode. That's no, I know, I agree, but you are the. (laughs) The person who's in the same way that the attachment types have spent the last year kind of reeling, mm-hmm. like you're the oh, stand-in so you, for that. You, you don't <laughs> think gonna, I'm reeling enough? You're gonna you rip the bandaid off, Emma. <laughs> she doesn't think I'm suffering enough. She just no. wants me to suffer even more. <laughs> I just I think that what happened to the attachment types for the last year is coming for all of you. So. <laughs> I can't disagree. This is gonna be like the. This is gonna be the fourth rejection episode so we're going hard in the okay. paint on rejection so i'm i'm all here for it okay i can handle it in the paint Good. peanut gallery over here is uh yeah what's that rejection that is gonna get it ha ha <laughs> and then i'm like come over here and talk and she's like no i'm gonna sit over here i'm just gonna judge from over in the corner under her blankie mm-hmm. at least we're yeah. easy to pick apart it took us like damn near six months to even get a clear look at what the fuck attachment was up to Look mm-hmm. at how quick it's been for rejection. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Superior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a little more obvious. <laughs> <laughs> a little more obnoxious. <laughs> Just a little bit. A little more on the nose. <laughs> yeah, like, like, uh, what, like, what has been opening up, Emeka, in turn, or like blowing your mind or changing your perspective? Or is it just this, is it like stuff you already knew, but it's hitting you on a deeper level or? Oh, this is new stuff. I mean, you know, the object relations call was kind of like, oh shit, a big one. But this is just going, seeing how insidious this is and even more disturbing in that, like what I'm really turned on by is the thing that's actually keeping me separate Mm. from, you know, like what I'm really turned on by is actually maintaining a dis uh, a, a cut offness that I assume that what my personhood is or is limited to. So that's mm-hmm. kind of been like a, a really hard thing to come to terms with that I'm unconsciously invested in remaining this way. And also just catching in the way that I think I was talking to when we were setting up for Mike, just talking about her experiences with rejection types and all the ways that um, I think I said something that I don't, I won't say yes to something that I'm not also prepared to say no to. Which, if you sit and think about that, there is kind of a way that I'm always looking to maintain unconsciously a state of being cut off from something or a state of easily defaulting to being cut off. And so there's a way that I've been 
seeing how there's just a reflexive wall permeating everything that I'm doing, even things that I haven't even considered. It's we're starting off from this stays away from me, and then maybe we'll consider it. And even as I'm considering it, it's with the assumption that soon we will default to being separate from. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, you know, just coming to terms with like how much even my approach, all the rejection types are kind of setting themselves up to have that uh, as a default as uh, like, even if I approach someone or something, I'm setting it up in a way that I, it can't be reciprocated. And mm. I'm seeing how twos and mm -hmm. fives are doing mm. the same thing. I want to at some point like back up and kind of provide context. But one of the things that Emeka and I were talking about is I'm going to sort of talk about the zone where rejection gets activated for rejection types. And I want to explain the context for that. But my perspective is that you can feel rejection types almost kind of what I would call like pre-rejection, like sort of setting the dynamic up so that it's not going to work mm -hmm. and they're going to be able to say have a story about why it's not going to work from their on their terms yeah yeah and so you can feel the eight kind of going really big or like i've got all kinds of funny stories where like this shit's just not going to work for me like this is not what i want and they like have already set up the dynamic so that then if the person pushes away the eight can say it's actually i didn't want this like this person wasn't right for me yeah and the five i can you can sometimes feel that you know, like when there's this, the first opening that the five does sometimes, they go to like the darkest shit. Like they don't just like start, they don't like inch their way into it. It like goes yeah. way, so far way deep that now then people are like, I can't handle, like it's too much all too of much. a sudden. Mm -hmm. And so then, and then the five's like, I, like, yeah, these people can't handle me. Like they can't mm -hmm. handle the darkness. Right. And I feel like the two in the level of sort of neediness they want, expect from other people, it's sort of set up, well, this person wasn't ready for my help. Yeah. 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 I've seen that big time. And so, so for me, this is a pre-rejection frame of like setting up the terms so that then when the person walks away, it, it's not them rejecting the eight, five or two. It's that they, they weren't ready for the eight, five or two. Yeah. Sort of like blowing this person out of the water that they're not able to reciprocate. Um, which guarantees that it doesn't happen, that the connection doesn't happen. Either either they say yes to it and it becomes a possession dynamic, but like the person can't reciprocate. The person cannot give back what you, the, the, the push that you gave them. It reinforces the, this possession dynamic that we were talking about. So just seeing that and sort of catching myself doing that and seeing all the different ways I've been approaching things that way, it's like, ew. Ew, that's that's what it feels like. It just feels gross. And so, do you find yourself uh, relaxing around some of the rejection stuff, or like considering at least at least considering like other ways of being like a little bit more contact instead of it just being this total shutdown? Right now, it's just seeing. I'm just seeing how reflexive it is because even though I'm a, I'm just becoming aware of it. It's just like a, a reflex, the knee-jerk reaction that I'm able to notice now. 
It's like just how fast uh, I can reflexively throw up those walls when someone is trying to engage with me in a way that doesn't fit my idea of what I think engagement is. Mm-hmm. And just, I guess, just seeing how inflexible I am because it's kind of like I've already predetermined what engagement's going to be. Uh, like, why? <laughs> I'm, you know, there's certain things I guess I'm saying. This is where my personality sees that I'm most impactful or what I see is most impactful. If you want to engage with me outside of that, it feels like no, but um, it's sort of deciding ahead of time what optimal engagement is, which isn't engagement at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I had like, I have been giving some thought to this and I had a couple core ideas that came to me as I was thinking. I've been thinking about you guys a lot, like you eight, fives, oh, and twos. Wow. We're in your thoughts. You've been feeling <laughs> tender toward us, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's part of your growth work, Emika, to uh, Re- let it out there. Receive mm-hmm. the blessing. Oh, God. <laughs> I did not expect that. And some of it is, I think, setting it up almost like just r- reminding people about object relations in the first place because the idea is right that all of us as we come into this world the kind of two core functions our parents need to provide for us is what we call the nurturing or nurturing or maternal function which is all around being held being mirrored being nurtured being unconditionally loved and then what we called the paternal or protective function which is about um, being supported and being instilled with confidence and a feeling of resourcefulness as I make my way independently through the world. And these are the two main, from an egoic perspective, sort of the two pillars of what families, parents, and caregivers provide egos, people, in order to, for us to move through the world as adults in a secure, intact way. No parent does this perfectly. And part of what sets up the Enneagram type is not the fact that the parent didn't do right by me in a certain area. It is which, the truth is that parents are failing on both of these fronts all the time, by definition. And the question of type then arises, which of when a parent failed to meet me in this way, in either of these realms or both of these realms, which of those kind of stuck to me and became a part of my identification of self, became part of my story or narrative around what makes me me, and what was my response to that? And we talked about frustration, rejection, and attachment as the three possible responses. So the reason this is important is you can sort of think of the object relations as almost like a blueprint for how relationships need to be set up in adulthood in order for our personality and self concept to be reaffirmed. And so what ends up happening is I'm not able to see the other person clearly because I'm going to be attracted to people who allow me to play this dynamic out again and again and again. I'm going to train them to act a certain way so that this dynamic can occur again and again and again. And I'm going to be filtering reality so that the only parts of their behavior that I remember are going to be the behaviors that fit this mm-hmm. blueprint that I learned 
as an early in childhood. And so relationships are really sort of like crumbling under the weight of relationships being used not for connection and love and all these other things that we think relationships are here for, but really to, we use them to restore a sense of self mm. at the detriment of real connection. And that's why we talk about object relations is what am I doing to relationships that's actually getting them in the way of what I really want to accomplish with them. And so why this matters for the rejection type in particular is when you think about the frustration and the attachment types, the frustration type, the whole dynamic needs to begin with a refeeling of the wound, a remembering of you're not meeting me in this way. Either you're not seeing me or you're not supporting me or both. And I need to feel that failure on your part in real time in my current relationships so that I can feel frustrated and say, you're not doing it. You're, you're failing to meet my needs. You're failing to do what I want you to do. I have to go do this myself now again. But the dynamic is going to begin with an articulation or a recognition that in some way there's something I'm expecting or wanting from you that you're failing to provide. Similarly, with the attachment types, and this is what attachment to disconnect is all about, is it also begins with a wound, which is you're not meeting me in this way. You're either not seeing and loving me or you're not supporting and guiding me. But I think there's a way, something I can do to make you do that. And so then I begin to adapt and focus my behavior on how you weren't providing it in this circumstance. But here I feel like a fleetingness that you're going to, you're about to, you just did. And it must be because I adjusted myself in some way. But again, the dynamic is going to begin with, you're not, you're not meeting me. What is different about the rejection types is, remember, the rejection strategy is when that wound occurred, it's to cut off the idea that that part of me even mattered or existed. And so I think what's interesting about the rejection types is the dynamic can't get started with a wound because to admit that the wound is there would be to admit that this part of you still exists. And the rejection type can't do that. And so what ends up happening as I started thinking about this is it's almost like, it's almost like a bigger filter of what's getting anywhere close to this zone of where I might get hurt again in this way, but I've got to get ahead of it mm. because I, I've got to kind of proactively stop it and shut it down. And that's because, also pre-rejection. Right. Because I, the wound itself does not, I, that's not, I've, we've already agreed that that's not possible, that I'm not going to allow that to happen. And so if we get anywhere, and my, and my sense of self is predicated upon the fact that I don't have sensitivity in this area. And so if you get anywhere close to this or ask me to expand in any way into this area, I'm going to immediately shut it down. And so I think that there's an automaticity to frustration and attachment and rejection that's true for all of them. But I am curious whether the rejection scope almost has to be bigger mm -hmm. because it's kind of proactively getting out ahead of anything that could be hurtful. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's one thing that I've noticed 
if something truly upsets me or hurts me, I notice that one of the reoccurring tracks that are running in my mind is that's not happening again. Like it's either I've done something to make sure it doesn't happen again, or if it happens again, I'm not going to care. Like the me getting mm. that upset can't happen again. And so you can imagine if there's a reoccurring problem or a relationship where the other person feels the need to revisit certain problems to feel connected, how that can basically shut them out because I'm never going to allow myself to get upset about the same thing in the same way or with the same intensity more than once because that my whole type structure is built on that's not going to happen again. Or you use the term like uh, the scope needs to be bigger. Filter. Something like that. Yeah, the, the, um, what triggers the rejection response, it has to be like almost like a wider lens, kind of bigger than the wound itself. So it's like anything that gets like anywhere close to the realm of even before you hurt me, if you even get into the realm of sort of nurturing or love or gooeyness, I have to shut it down before the wound even has a chance to resurface. Mm, 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 mm. So the behavior I'm monitoring and looking for that triggers the rejection response, it's almost like a wider aperture because I'm, kind of, I'm needing to be vigilant yeah. on what is going to trigger me mm. feeling the activation of this wound that I've tried, I've, I've, my self-concept is built around never feeling. Mm-hmm. This is this I think is you know in in previous things Emicus talked about the the bargain or the negotiation. Or something. Yeah, the negotiation. There's like a there's like a role that we're both playing. And my my feeling of being in relationships with uh, rejection types is seeing you know I I like like having kind of like a sense that relationships are like slowly like a building of I guess like trust intimacy and stuff like this. But then I'll feel the rejection type being like, no, you go back here. <laughs> you know, yeah. no, no, back here. You know, like. Yeah, you did this, now you go back now to. You're, now you're back here. And, you know, yeah. like um, having been a student of a, of a rejection type in a, you know, a, a training program, she would, you would kind of become her peer. And then you'd be like, nope, you're, you're back here. You know, like trying to find a new way to put you back in this thing so yeah that absolutely makes sense and i think the other thing is you know part of the way you reject something is by affirming its opposite so how does that Mm. look well you can really see it i mean you can see it all three of them so part of the you know the leaning of the eight into transaction, getting shit done in the world, being an independent, feeling good about being an independent body who knows how to negotiate this world very successfully. Part of the reason that the aid is leaning into that is it is implicitly a rejection of its opposite, which is the merging or the feeling of like, this is not about me making my way through the world. It's about me connecting to another person and feeling like a heart connection. And so, so that's because, right, because we, we can't ever say I've been hurt. Like that's, that's part of the structure of what we all agreed. Like the, the, the rejection types have made this big sacrifice 
of I'm limiting my def definition of my humanity so that we don't have to talk about how I've been hurt and how you've hurt me. Mm. Couldn't part of the opposite in the context of eight also be the five piece, which is that I don't have enough re personal resources and I'm not big enough to be in the world or something like that. Does that make any sense to draw that line? Well, I have another theory. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about this. Uh, so, so anyway, so you see that, and you see that clearly in the opposite of the two, right? I go into sort of merging and caring for other people, and, the, and in doing that, I'm negating my independence and autonomy. Mm -hmm. I don't even have, that's, that, it's a, and that's why it's kind of, cre it's got a kind of a creepy quality to it, because it's, it's actually being, it's preloaded with not actually doing it for connection or doing it for mm -hmm. independent mm -hmm. functioning. Mm -hmm. It's doing it to stand oh. for, I don't do the opposite. Mm. 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 So it's got a, it's already got an ulterior motive baked into the activity which is it's not that I'm really into this. It's like this is the way I declare who I am not. Yeah. Yeah, that, that hits hard. Like, so the aid is negotiating so that we can't say that I'm here because I'm here for you or you're here for me. It's like I'm not going to put, I'm not going to bet on your, mm. the goodness of your heart. Right. Because if I do and you burn me, that's really going to hurt. So I'm just going to negotiate. It's going to be a negotiation because to bet on your heart is risking a lot. I was telling Emeka that I have an eight friend who was looking for a house and she found this house that, I mean, she was just like in love with this house. She's like, oh my God, this is the perfect house. Like, this is just, it's going to be amazing. I can like totally see myself here. It's going to be awesome. And then I expected her to say, you know, so like I talked to the owner and I talked to them about like how much it was going to mean to me. And like, we, and she was like, so I made him my last offer. And I said, this is it. Like you take it or leave it. <laughs> oh, Good <God>. job. <laughs> it was amazing. To, I mean, it was, and she didn't yeah. get the house. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> and, and I have another eight friend. This is actually pretty moving where it was this. It was a, a man who had done like a ton of work and it was like a big group and we were all kind of like acknowledging and thanking him. And his father was there and he was an, he's an eight. And everyone was going around the room sort of thanking this person for all the work that they had done. And when the dad stood up to do his part, he started ragging on his son. Mm, not surprising, actually. And so then a female eight went over to his son and the dad said something. And then she said, I'm going to translate what the eight is saying. He's actually saying you've touched his heart. <laughs> he cannot say that. Mm -hmm. mm, right, right. And it's exactly what I'm talking about, right, right? right? Like, I felt the sensitivity here. That is not who I am. And so I lean into the opposite. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. To make sure that never <laughs> becomes part of... <laughs> Ooh, that was a. I saw the body language in that one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's close to home right there. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And what's that two's name? Nicholas? Is that his name? Yeah, Nicholas. Nicholas. Yeah. Nicholas.
and you can t- you heard him like sort of talking about being at parties where he just is basically silent, mm-hmm. right? Like, and you know, you're at a party, you're showing who are you, what's this person, and then the it's like I go, but then like the moment there's an opportunity to talk about what a, like what a giver I am or how helpful I can be, I go hard into that, and like that's the only way I know how to show up at a party which is to show you from the very beginning, even as it feels like we're here sort of all with our independent agendas, that's not what I'm about. And I, the setting is set up to feel that that's what this is for. And I, uh, I can feel that in the dynamic of the party and I, I react to it. I feel the request on everyone else to sort of define who I am as an independent person and I reject and go into being super helpful mm, yeah and i think the five it's about being a human being mm-hmm. all together mm-hmm. <laughs> which is almost like they, you start talking to a five and all of a sudden this you realize that there it feels like there isn't a person on the other end because they've just started talking about something completely unrelated to whatever it is and you feel alienated in the moment <laughs> it's it's like in jesse's uh video where it's like here's an intellectual object we're gonna do this mm-hmm. and that's what we're gonna focus on right not um, me that that's here yeah, it's it's right. something that unrelated that you maybe maybe approximate contact with the person that might be me <laughs> I have a friend who's a five who had been running a business for a long time that was like bordering on insolvency. And he was constantly having to raise money, but it was always like unclear if it was ever going to make it. And he did this for many years. And I said something to him like, wow, that must be really hard. It was like the, I could not have said the word, a worse thing. Like the idea that, (laughs) that I would relate to Mm. the emotional difficulty Mm. of having a business that's borderline bankrupt for many, many years and having to put on a good face of it's, it's going to make it like, that's not the way he wanted. And he just immediately leaped into the mechanics of how the, like the structuring of the agreements was going to work. And, you know, this is like the way the computer program was going to work. That was part of the deal. And like, blah, 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 blah. blah. And there was like this blankness on his face Mm. where I saw, Oh my, I've, that was, I could not have asked him. I mean, it was, he was horrified mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I understood the issue in that way and was asking him to speak to the issue in that way. Wow. It's almost like you're asking him to exist as a person who has feelings about something that's happening in the world and it has to kind of zoom back out into the abstract. Like, I'm not here. There's no person here going through anything. <laughs> And the merest invitation to go to that space, it's not just it has to be like, I mean, there is that flat wall that we've talked about, but it's it's also I have to lean into the opposite to to really distance myself from this. And the stuff around the aid around, you know, like they like vulnerable people, they like, you know, like all that stuff that you guys have sort of picked apart. I think that's way overblown, but what I do think is true is, you know, part of this object relations stuff is, you know, I define self by not being the other. Right. 
And so I think there is something about eights needing vulnerability and heartfulness in their relationships, not because it triggers their own heart necessarily, but because it becomes yet another way to identify that's not me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I'm not doing that. It's again it's that like... thing I've been bringing up where we get into a, it's a relationship of opposites and so it's a negotiation kind of you're going to be the emotional heartfelt person and I'm going to be the rejection cut off. It makes it easier to remain yeah remain the rejection cut off person the because yeah. the other person is obviously embodying the thing that you're trying to push away from. So just it makes it easier to just uh, double down, which is a weird thing to to realize because it's like that's why you're attracted to that person. You're mm-hmm. attracted to them because they will allow you to reinforce what you're mm-hmm. already reinforcing. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, this is how everybody's relationships are. You know, like <laughs> totally. these as you're speaking to the beginning, Courtney, just like self-reinforcing mechanisms and uh everybody's self is also already pretty miserable and so it's like (laughs) just the world of perpetuating misery of just you know under the disguise of something like connection or love or something like that it's like it's it's um it's interesting to me kind of like uh negotiating the smoke and mirrors of just like the narratives that we have about like what how how to be a person and and what people are doing like in relationships or like what people say they want and and you know the images that you're fed of like like just relationships or something like that uh and and just i don't know seeing how nobody's actually like everybody's like playing a simulation all the time uh, and it's really interesting because even though it's all simulation, uh, you're even trying to like locate what what part of the simulation do they think they're at least playing? You know what I'm saying? Like like it, it's so everything, everybody's behavior is so um, many levels abstracted from even what they think they're doing, which that self is this game we're, we're talking about of this self-reinforcing mechanism. And so it's just, it's just like layers and layers and layers of, of um, it's like fucked up sonar or something like that. And so anyway, mm-hmm. it's just interesting because, I mean, we're talking about just like three object relational affects that everybody has. Like this is what <laughs> defines everybody. <laughs> and I mean... You're either frustrated, you're attached to disconnect, or you're just cutting shit off. You know? right. It's like, right. God. <laughs> what a wonderful world. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you can see why then it gets set up and perpetuated because those are the people that are parenting us, right? And so mm. that's what they're bringing. Mm. So that's, of course, why it's imperfect. And it just keeps going and going. And I think that's why also I was just saying the... I mean, I think this has been the process for many attachment types over the last year who've been listening to the podcast is just this kind of mind-blowing, I thought I understood attachment, but I thought I knew what I was up to. No, I didn't. (laughs) You know, I didn't see it at this level. I didn't see it at this level. And also the 
the level of regret and remorse over what I mean, we're all doing it to one another, but it we are putting this all of us are putting this on people we care about. Yeah. And and so that's I think the part that is the 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 gut punch or the the heartbreak is seeing just the the papered layers we bring you know this it's like almost like a paper mache of like layer upon layer upon layer right. of you know newspaper that we're bringing with glue and sticky water to a mm-hmm. relationship um and how human that is but also how sad and horrifying it is mm. you know i was just thinking about sort of like how um, so, you know, eight defaulting to the negotiation and how that shows up in attraction for me. It's almost like that mindset is also permeating my approach because the thing that would hurt is that, oh, she really liked me for me, not for anything I was bringing. Mm, and if it right. doesn't work out, then it's like, well, she didn't, you know, my personality failed or who I am was rejected. So as long as I keep it within the realm of I'm doing this for her or I'm activating her, mm-hmm. I wasn't interesting mm-hmm. enough or I wasn't, sex wasn't good enough. Like as long as it's this thing, external thing that mm-hmm. I can manipulate or orchestrate, then it keeps it away from me. Mm-hmm. And so that whole experience that we referenced about the soul intercourse was like, oh, it's me that can, mm-hmm. but that's, so that's the thing that's risky is that if I'm looking at attraction from the, on the basis of me then what's what else could be more of an ultimate rejection it's like it's not about because i'm always in my mind catching myself defaulting to you know how what do i need to do to make this better or to make this more of what i want versus when it's just on a level of being or who you are then it's like well i just it's she doesn't like me (laughs) that's that hurts a lot more how 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 capable emika are you as a rejection type to um, hold the sense of you that isn't just the things that you're providing or is it kind of like almost like a Russian doll of I can keep moving backwards and backwards and backwards and saying that that's just the thing I'm offering and that's the thing I'm offering. (laughs) Well, it feels like I can, I'm better at being able to hold the idea of just me as without necessarily what I'm doing the closer I am to you, the more I see our relationship, you know, um, I don't Mm -hmm. see my relationship to you guys necessarily on the basis of what I'm doing for you guys. Like it's, uh, but there is the backdrop or the operating system of my personhood is like, but I am a functioning piece to something and I am necessary towards something. And that's a factor. And so um, it feels like a part that can never really go away. It's always, it's always threatening to overtake any dynamic is to think about it in those terms is, well, you could have done more of this and mm-hmm. that would have, you know, that, that's always there. But to the degree that I can see someone else's real personhood and maybe the connection happened because, not because of anything I did, we just connected. That's, that's when it's really getting to, you know, closer to my heart. Like, but there's always a part of me that's always like, oh, but you play a role. Like, there's some kind of mm-hmm. special role that, you know, this person is depending on you for. Like, I, my mind ends up 
framing things in terms of, but you are uh, play a specific role in this person's life. That's why they like, you know, that it's, it's just insidious. Mm, it's mm, always there. Mm. I can always reframe any dynamic or anything if I want to in those terms. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, there's no one else in his life like this or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. that, that kind of. I think one of the things that happens as I was reflecting on this is, and I think this speaks to this feeling of separateness that you've been speaking, talking about, is I think all of the rejection types are aware that they're not as full a person as they could be. And so there is entering into a relationship a feeling of deficiency because all of the rejection types are at some level aware or at least you know other people have not cut this part off of themselves and i'm trying to be in relationship with someone who seems to have a definition of self that's fuller than mine mm. and now what do i how do well, how do i meet them given that I've tied one arm behind my back. Interesting, yeah. And so I think this feeling of separation is really the consequence of, you know, I, I really still want to feel like a human, but it's like the choices I've made about how to define myself are never going to let me do that. Yeah. And I feel that at some level. And that is the origin of the separation. That yeah, one one thing that I've repeated before to exes in the past at the beginning of a relationship is I need you to let me know what people do in relationships because well, that you expect me to do because I don't know. Like it's his real genuine request because I don't know what you're expecting from me that you expect from people because there's a good chance I'm not going to do it. If you tell me what it is, I'll just do it. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think it um I mean, that's what's like ironic about it is, especially for the eight, the, the, and we sort of talked about the rejection types having the least amount of hope, but actually this is the hopefulness because you continue to be in relationship at all. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man. And so I think there is hope there. I mean, yeah. you, would, you would think. <laughs> yeah. And as, as a rejection type, what is the, like, the personality store? Like, like why do you why do you go into relationships? I mean, that's the only way that I'm gonna get. It's like I still want contact. I still want a semblance of contact, but it's like because I've limited myself to this one side of humanity or being a person, the only way that I can feel a semblance of contact is let me occupy this you know super necessary part of this other person. Them, them needing me now becomes my replacement for what uh, contact means. And then the hope is like maybe if we that dynamic can lead to something that's more, maybe they can end up, you know, penetrating me in the same way and we can have like a two-way thing. That's, that's you know, sort of this is the gateway to what connection, a connection that might, uh, a real connection. Um, but initially this is the only way it can start. This is the only way that I can actually feel contact. I do want contact because I'm feeling cut off from people, but this is really the only way it can happen. Um, and then you hope that it actually becomes something more of a real connection. Cause this, uh, like narrow aperture 
of like finding a way that like if I do this and maybe kind of I mean it come reminds me of our parents yeah as as both both having you know rejection type parents and like yeah sometimes with I mean you know our families are both pretty big I think you have three three other siblings three other three siblings, siblings yeah three yes sisters. we have like the same size family and so when I'm around my family I'm like you know I'm the oldest and I'm like why the fuck did they reproduce this much? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it seems the like point? they didn't even want one of them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, and it's like, uh, I, I, I get that, like, I think, you know, I, my, my youngest sister, there's like a gap between my brother and my sister and my youngest sister. And part of, part of my suspicion is, uh, you know, my mom was threatened with uh, no longer being like mommy <laughs> and it needed a needed needed an accident to happen. Yeah, and um, and I'm like, why did she do? Because she seemed like you know, like it's like, does she even like being a parent? You know, <laughs> but I, I think there's this thing of like, this is my human role. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe maybe it'll reach me somehow. And I've always been kind of conf- that's the like when I hear about stories about your parents, it's it's a kind of a I get a similar feeling. Yeah, and. To the interesting thing about my family, my youngest sister has Down syndrome, which could you see as a tragic thing. But now looking at it, because uh, she's six years younger than me, so she's uh, probably 32. So, but she's still a kid, essentially, which means my parents now still have an excuse to care for someone. So they have mm. remained in perpetual parent state. And I've thought to myself, if, because, you know, the rest of us grew up and left the house, they still get to be parents together and take care of my, my little mm-hmm. sister. And I've thought if they didn't have her, they'd be at each other's throats. Like they didn't have, they didn't have this mutual person who's always vulnerable and needs to be taken care of. So they have a rejection, you know, sort of possession dynamic. Mm-hmm. And so they just constantly dote on her and give her snacks and all this stuff. It's, and so I'm just seeing like how it gives my little sister gives them almost a sense of um, this is a reason why this is a reason to live. Here's this someone who still cares about me because all the other kids don't, you know, because we're old enough to (laughs) not like them. And this is someone who's constantly receiving and wanting my care and, you know, still like she's stuck in that kid state. So it's kind of like a gift to them as rejection types, you know? I, I do think that both of you are speaking to, you know, why do we, why, why do we want to be in relationship? And it is this tangle of connection and love, but then the object relation kind of coming in and distorting it very quickly. And so the personality is going to say, I want to be in relationship because that's how I know who I am. Hmm. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And yet that that definition of self, you know, did occur in a container of love for most human beings, mm-hmm. even though it was delivered imperfectly and you know, that that definition of self is sitting very close to to the feeling, the initial feeling of love. And so they are kind of interwoven and you know, sort of the essential state is locked up in the object relation dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to your point, um, 
my pattern over the years had been that I would stay out of relationships for a long time, years, and then I would get really thirsty for a relationship. I'd get in one and it wouldn't be a good one and maybe it'd come to an end and I'd go back to be like, oh, I don't, you know. And so there, there can be uh, a pattern with, I, I could see with rejection types where, you know, like loneliness is this kind of a gross word, but it, there is some tension there. Um, I, didn't, I remember that came up in Jesse's interview with Josh, and it's kind of like a thing that you don't want to actually look at because it's kind of the baseline, <laughs> you know, like baseline of rejection or yes, mm-hmm. like that's the baseline is the assumption that I'm not connected. I'm, mm-hmm. And there's all these unconscious ways that you're maintaining a, you know, a cutoffness from everyone. And so that, that word loneliness, is kind of like a ill, you know, that, mm-hmm. cause it's, it's always there. Even when you're with, I've spoken to this, just being really close to someone and that feeling that I'm not even in the room, that I'm watching somebody else be close to someone. That's that's mm-hmm. the rejection structure. Like saying, hey, you're being that's loved. Yeah. Fuck that. Like, that's not supposed to happen. You're going to get, you know, <clears throat> just wa- having an out-of-body experience. That's fucking... So the baseline is aloneness on some level, and that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> Or even to admit, because it's like it's always staring at you. Well, and the aloneness is not supposed to hurt, because the aloneness was right. there to as a protective device, and so that's the the irony and also the the, the circular nature of the, the prison. In yeah. Words. 